Hi everyone and welcome to the sixth episode of Her Story. This is your host Cassidy Reed and today I'm talking with one of my former students, Gianna Formica. Gianna is going to be a senior in high school. She goes to the Cleveland School of the Arts. She is also a bassist and she is a jazz musician so her and I have a great conversation coming up about jazz music, about being a bassist, about the use of gender identity pronouns, as well as diversity in an art school. So it's a great conversation, especially to have with someone that is currently still in the public school system. So enjoy. My name is Gianna Formica, and I'm from the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. I grew up going to school where my dad had went to high school and graduated. And when I was in elementary school, like most most people do, they experience, oh, well, maybe I should join the band. And so then I just thought saxophone was a really cool instrument. I liked the teachers, so I was like, I'm going to do that. And... So I did for a while, and I still play saxophone now, but somewhere in middle school, I got a little sidetracked, and I started playing. My mom put me in guitar lessons, and I was, like, not really vibing with it, so I, but we had her boyfriend at the time had an electric bass just around the house, and I picked it up, and my mom, my mom's actually a singer, so I've been around music since I was little, I guess. My mom didn't really get, start getting back into singing she did, she was, like, class, had opera training when she was younger. Wow. Um, due to, like, her family background, and so she did a lot of musical theater and stuff like that, but stopped singing for a very long time, and then around the time I was, like, eight or nine, she started singing again. That's when music started, like, I guess, come back into my life, and I, 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 I always liked, like, I watched TV shows like Glee, where there's a lot of music, and I was being exposed to, like, different different music I didn't know because I was so young and then so I started playing bass because my mom sang this one song called Joey by Concrete Blonde and it's four chords and I was like I'm gonna look it up I'm gonna learn where the notes are on the bass and I'm gonna play it and I did and then school started in seventh grade and I was like I'm gonna try out for the jazz band and the year before I tried out for jazz band and not a lot of sixth graders get in a jazz band so I tried on a saxophone and was told that I did really well, but to give it a shot next year. And so instead of trying out on saxophone, I decided to try out on bass. Totally, like I told, I was straight up with my teacher. I told him I was like, I have never taken an electric bass lesson in my life. Nobody really taught me. I took the music you gave me. I wrote in all the notes because I didn't know bass clef at this point. And I wrote in all the notes. And then I found a chart online on how to play the bass. And I guess it, he didn't have any other bass players, so he let me in. And then that's kind of where that, my excitement to play bass started. And then I started every Christmas since seventh grade. I've done a, a huge, we do, I do a huge gig with my mom. 
and it's our, our like annual Christmas party and that experience sort of like helped me grow so the guy who was my original guitar teacher became my bass teacher because he played bass as well and me and him worked a lot on learning new songs and stuff like that and so then in eighth grade before eighth grade started my mom was like why don't you try playing upright bass so we rented one for a few months and I was very lazy and it was very small so I decided I like to sit and I like played it like a cello because I was like silly and I but then I got this teacher and his name is Matt and me and this me and Matt um worked for a few months and he like because I like I started later than like most kids I think who play upright bass mm-hmm. and I have I didn't I didn't have that orchestra experience because my public school at the time didn't have an orchestra program and so I was kind of just like learning at a different like a different way and so and Matt was a bluegrass like he played in a lot of bluegrass bands so we did it was kind of like an alternative start and then I've hopped around teachers and stuff like that but to now I'm 17 I now go to Cleveland School of the Arts which is a public high school that specializes in arts programs so we have we have music programs like orchestra band and choir but we also have really cool programs such as like our dance program creative writing visual art and then there's even like more specifics into that like there's a fashion department stuff like that that school which is a lot different than the school that i grew up in where my dad went to high school very different in the terms that now i'm going to school in the city in university circle, I'm the only white student in all of, for basically all of my classes. Mm-hmm. So I went in like not that was a very new experience because mm-hmm. before it was like there was like probably five to ten kids that were African American at Homestead Falls, and now like that was like it was a very big like culture shock for me. But this past school year, I've definitely learned the most about myself other people and stuff like that I I was not my parents are good kind loving people and I just was and so I was never like taught things as a kid that were hateful that I know some of my peers have been yeah so but then going to a school where I'm actually seeing the problems that other communities are faced with right now, especially right now in America, it's had a big impact on me. Yeah. And then I, well, in middle school, I did a program at Baldwin Wallace where I was there literally nine to five every Saturday when I was right before I left the program, I was there doing orchestra, orchestra sectionals, jazz band, and then concert band. And then I'd go home. As that filtered out of my life, I, when I got to high school, I joined a program at the Music Settlement, which is really close to my school, which is kind of interesting. And I'm still, I like to say that I go to school six days a week because mm-hmm. it's, it's really, it feels like that. And so I'm there like about nine, nine o'clock to three every Saturday. And I'm in this jazz program where I'm in jazz combos and a big band and I have a history class and a theory class and I get to join in on sectionals and the cool thing that I get to do there is that with sectionals it's we're split up by sections and so typically I go with the saxophones even though that's not my main instrument Mm -hmm. and I sort of 
I play like a teaching assistant role because I've gotten close with the teacher who is in charge of saxophone sectionals. And I am one of the older students in that program. We do have mm-hmm. a lot of middle schoolers. So it's cool for me to get to observe all these teacher, these different teachers that I'm not usually around at, like during, during the week and then get to help out the best way I can to the younger students. I think that's, it's a very interesting trajectory that you went on because a lot of kids, they start on the instrument that they end up playing in fourth, fifth, or sixth grade, all the way through 12th grade. So when you started on saxophone and then you were basically took your guitar lessons, but you were self-taught on bass for a little bit before you decided to take lessons. I think that's really fascinating that you stuck with it because I think a lot of kids that try to self-teach themselves something end up quitting pretty quick. <laughs> like every, like I try to, I do now have a little guitar skills and a little keyboard skills, but mm-hmm. definitely like I've never been able to do another task besides like initially learning electric bass like that. Like mm-hmm. there's no other task I can say that I actually stuck with. So I think, I honestly think that every kid has like that sort of capability. It's just more yeah. along the lines of, find the thing that you can do to do well you know the thing that the thing that drives your interest and motivates you I think everybody everybody has that and whether it's music or not I think everybody has the one thing that they feel like keeps them going and so just finding that I think a lot of just from what I gathered knowing you and your family I think a lot of your influence with choosing bass and learning guitar lessons and keyboard comes from your family's background with Bar 107 and your mom, I feel like that has had a lot of influence on your musical life as well. That's a very interesting experience. I've had so my parents have have owned a music club since I was about, so my parents got to, had gotten divorced when I was about seven. And then like a few months later, my dad had this friend who was looking for a partner for this bar he was opening up. And so my dad joined on with him. And then soon enough, my dad realized that he wanted to be in charge. And so he bought him out. And then my mom joined as just a bartender because she had lost her job. And then soon became sort of like the general manager role because Mm -hmm. it was more like she was there day to day. And my dad kind of did like more behind the scenes stuff. My mom being a singer sort of she that was at the time when she started to sing more actually my uh one of my uncles on my dad's side he was friends with a lot of these musicians that were around the Cleveland area and I guess because my mom has told me this like specific memory of this one so this one musician that me and her gig with semi-regularly he's a keyboard player his name's Rich Spina most people in the Cleveland music scene know who he is and basically my mom was introduced to him by my uncle and she considers him to be one of like the driving forces of why she's a singer because why she picked singing back up and so that was really interesting and then that kind of led to her meeting a lot of musicians and then as she met more people, more people were interested in playing at her, at her club. And as people that were well-known in the area were playing there, more people who were less known wanted to play there. And then there was like this, it, there, we hear, we've heard lots of really good and positive things from the music community about Bar 107. And unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, we we're not able to open back up for dining because of the fact that 
we would be making significantly like le- our margins would have been significantly less and we survive on the fact that we would have six people bands in there yeah and which could mean a hundred people in there in the place and then we would those are the nights we made the most money. The bar was in itself not just a bar and a restaurant sort of vibe. Like you serve food, but it was it was a lot of live music was a very huge proponent. And that was, you know, a super huge benefit to the community. But yeah, that's that's how you kept your upkeep as well. Right, for sure. And so it, it is very sad because it, it was we were going on we were going on almost ten years. And so that was a really big important part of my life my mom's life and my dad's life and um definitely to a lot of the musicians we've known especially my my guitar teacher and rich spina and um many other musicians who we considered just the same way as like we have bar patrons that are our regulars our musicians that are regulars and i've gotten luckily for me i've gotten this experience to grow up around music again yeah. like i hearing music that Maybe I would not have known otherwise because I'm so young and I'm around, I guess, middle-aged people who are playing music. So their interests and what they want to play and what people like to hear is completely different than what my young mind was like exposed to. So, and then luckily I've gotten many an opportunity to sit in on a song or two with who I consider to be some of the best musicians in Cleveland and that is an experience that I would not have had if it weren't for the fact that my parents owned that bar and I'm really lucky for that because I do consider myself to be I'm not like in a band and I regularly gig even before COVID but I definitely consider myself to be like a Cleveland musician I know a lot of people through my mom and they know me too so it's I'm reaching into into being a part of the community. I've already, I've gotten opportunities based on the fact that I'm the kid at Bar 107. Yeah, and you talked about going to school six days a week, basically, because of all the things that you were doing on Saturdays. But I think you also were kind of going to school on the weeknights as well, because I often saw social media and things like that. You were playing with people, you were singing with people, you'd sing with your mom, you'd play with your mom, you'd play with all these different bands, you'd you'd come in and play bass for them and things like that. And I think that's even a more valuable real life experience than school could give you. Oh yeah, for sure. And so definitely like when I was at, interestingly enough, when I was at Olmsted Falls, my old high school, my two band directors, my one director, our assistant director actually was in a like sort of party band that played a lot in, in town and stuff. And we would have conversations as a group about what it means to be like a musician that was like gigging and doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I always thought was interesting when we had those kinds of conversations because definitely, and this kind of leading into why I've moved high schools, a lot of the students that I'm in jazz band with at my old high school don't think necessarily had the same motivation or interest or really cared about being there as I did. Mm -hmm. And so it was was interesting that we were like having these conversations because I was like, I would always think I'd be like, I'm the only one who actually does this kind of thing, or even if I didn't, wants to do that kind of thing. And that was part of, I guess, what kind of led me into, like, switching schools was the 
the fact that I wanted to have more focus into what I was doing, especially when I was in high school, I started to really realize, especially sophomore year, I was like, I'm not a saxophone player. I'm a bass player. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have an orchestra program that I could rely on and go to, even yeah. though it was an outreach program. The outreach programs weren't enough for me. I needed to be in orchestra every day. Mm -hmm. That was a huge factor in switching schools because now I go to a school where my, actually my orchestra director is a bass player. I met her through BW, through Laura Joss, who we'll get back to how she's such a big part of my, my musical experience as well. But my orchestra teacher, Diana Richardson, is like, has been such a big influence on me because I met her at Baldwin Wallace and then she was my first orchestra director. And so mm -hmm. now she's going to be my last orchestra director before I go to college. And that's really cool to me. That's um, really great. I'm in orchestra class. When I'm at school, I'm in orchestra class for an hour and a half a day. Wow. I don't just do orchestra. I also, they, our band program right now is very small. So they don't have any saxophone players. So I go in and play sax for them. For especially like I get the music in advance. And then I, the week of a concert, I'll hang out with them and do that and the choir has me play bass for a few things I've I've gotten close with the choir directors which is really nice right even though I've only been at that high school I didn't even get a full year at that high school yet. Mm -hmm. and I've already all the teachers already know who I am our orchestra at school has a track record of being some of the most dedicated hardworking students in the school and I think that goes to show a lot on the work ethic of my orchestra director she can be tough sometimes, but I think she is the perfect amount of tough to like make us all work together and do really well. And I think she's the reason why kids in her program have been so successful over the years. And she's been there for like 25 years. She is def most definitely the reason why the orchestra program has the reputation it does at my school of being some of the most hardworking, dedicated kids at school who are usually usually most of the kids in the top in the top 10 of the class every year are orchestra students most of them are that's so, awesome I, yeah i think that says a lot also it's like a good influence on me too. continue to do better and to work hard and to strive because i see my peers and i want to be like them as well even though we're all like it's i'm looking up to them even though we're all this like we're around the same age so i'm very excited to go back to school but it's hard to think about and i can imagine it as a teacher how you feel about it too I just it, it as someone who loves school so much and loves learning and loves staying busy thrives on being busy it's very sad about like having to think about what this year is going to entail yeah I, I completely agree I mean as a teacher I think the biggest thing I'm I found myself missing with my kids was not even just playing music and doing musical things was just seeing them and being able to talk to them and have conversations with them it's it's the human connection thing that I think we miss the most during this time one point I wanted to talk about was the fact that your teacher at Cleveland School of the Arts I wanted to let you know how fortunate you are to be a female bassist and to have a female bass teacher because that's pretty rare you know you play a very male dominated instrument and especially since you are so interested in jazz music as well that whole entire field tends to be very male dominated. And so I think the fact that you have such a strong 
female orchestra director who does play your primary instrument. I think that's a very beneficial experience for you because it's not something that a lot of kids have growing up. It most definitely is. And that is very important. I agree. And I uh, definitely, I don't take that for granted in the slightest because I do as like a female bass player, as a female in general, like a woman and like realizing like how, and it, it's interesting because I, I feel like in, in some ways, as, as I've started to notice being at a school of predominantly black students and being one of the only white students in my classes, I start to notice in other situations when there's no black people in the room mm-hmm. or stuff like that. And I, I kind of, when I think about that, I think about women as well, because I've always noticed here and there, like when it's a certain thing that's happening and like there's not there's obviously not women representation and the same like I think I think the representation those those two things relating to race and gender go hand in hand especially in the music community so like I've said like like being a part of uh playing for my and my parents bar and stuff like that out of the Cleveland music scene unrelated to the upright bass world that I know so well and the Society of Basis, the International Society of Basis, and the people I've met online and stuff like, and through programs and conferences and stuff like that. Um, the So out of Cleveland musicians, I know one female bass player. One female yeah. electric bass player. And that's crazy to me. It's sort of like this whole thing where, like, you try to, you have to bridge the gap to be your own hero. And to, even though I don't, I never, I didn't say, oh, there's nobody like me doing this, so that's why I want to do it. It's turned mm-hmm. into that as I've noticed, like, my surroundings. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it, was the same, it was the same thing with me when I started my instrument. I wasn't doing it because I, I viewed it as a boy instrument and I wanted to be different. I, you know, chose my instrument because I liked the sound of it and everything. But I think more and more I've noticed how my own identity is representing something for so- other people especially my students, 15% of high school band directors are women, only 15%. So being in the job that I am and being a female trumpet player, it's kind of like a double threat there. So it's it's something that as I've gotten older and as I've been in the professional field and through my own research, realizing how much of a minority I am professionally has been very eye-opening. And I think as you get older, and you go to college and those sorts of things, and you get more into the professional world, I think you'll notice that as well, how much just you being there means something for younger kids. For sure, and especially, that is very, that's very interesting, because, wow, I didn't know it was only 15%. Yeah, that it's is- a very, very small percentage, and only 5% of universities, if we're thinking college, only 5% of university band directors are women. Wow. That At the college crazy. level, there's only eight black female band directors. It's it's crazy. It's the representation is very skewed, and For I've sure. also found that in the jazz world as well, it tends to be extremely male dominated. So the fact oh, that definitely even yeah. more so, even more so than just the general music community. I wow. I also I I want to say I'm even though my old high school was not necessarily the right fit for me my main director was a woman Mm -hmm. and we didn't always see eye to eye or anything like that but I do 
have the utmost respect for her. She is one of those people who doesn't take crap from other people, and especially her students, because they need to respect her. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's this hidden thing that we don't talk about is that is women not being respected in mm-hmm. any field, but especially in this field, especially since the kids who at my old school, they grew up, they had male teachers in middle school band. And when they started playing their instrument, their teachers were male. I think that's a very, that's a hidden thing that kids don't realize. It's a, I think it's, if we look at gender roles and things like that, I think men are seen as being an authoritative figure from the time that we're young kids. You know, they're seen as a father figure, whereas women are seen as they have to be more nurturing and they have to take care of the little ones. So when we look at women in music and we look at women that are teaching older kids sometimes that issue of respect is there and at least for me it's not just because i'm a woman it's also because of how young i am too so when you're teaching Mm. high schoolers and you start teaching high school at 21 and you're only a few years older than your oldest students that bias also comes into play as well but the gender thing is definitely there for sure for me, that's very interesting. I'm only 17 and I'm friends with people that are 20 to 23 years old. Yeah, I was the same way when I was your age. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Gianna and I met, I used to teach through Baldwin-Wallace's Community Music School program. So when Gianna started the Community Music program when she was in middle school, I was actually one of her teachers. And I always thought it was funny because I wasn't there for the orchestra part of the day because I was doing jazz band and wind ensemble. But it was so funny because I would I would get there early and I see Gianna playing with the orchestra and I was like, wait, she plays bass too? Because I only knew you as a saxophonist at first. And I thought that was so cute. That was so funny. I loved it. I really love those experiences. And really a lot of you guys played with us. And so it, yeah. was in- it, was, it was a lot of learning by breaking down those barriers. And I remember a lot of times when they would have the assistant counselors, I forget what they were called, older high school students that were like counselors in training or whatever. Yeah, for the summer camps. Yeah. Right. And so I remember Saul, who was their instructor, used to tell them to call us friends. Mm -hmm. And well, one, that's that's a gender thing because it used to be, hey guys, and how that is a destructive thing to say. And so then turning it to, hey, friends, I think has many meanings and is very, I like that a lot because it makes me feel like I'm special to you as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Or anybody. So the fact that that's like something that older teachers are recognizing and wanting to teach their students, not only the gender thing of it, because I do, yeah, I call, if I have a mix of friends, I will say guys first as my group pronoun yeah that's socially just habitual in the way people approach things but you're you're teaching you have to be very hyper aware of the language that you are using because especially if you don't know your population of students first few weeks of school i am very mindful of the language that i use because you you can't really assume people's pronouns especially if you don't know them you know once once you know them and you know how they identify themselves then you can start being more less hyper aware of your language because now you know each other and you have this relationship, but especially in the first few weeks of school, you got to be really aware of how your students identify themselves, how they carry themselves and what sort of languages you can use in your vocabulary with them. 
it all depends on the vibe you get from the group as well. Oh, for sure. And I actually, I remember one of my first friends I've made like in the bass world, I guess, because obviously I wasn't in orchestra at school, so I didn't really interact with a lot of other bass players. And at BW, we didn't have a lot of them either. Mm-hmm. But then I, would, I went to string camp and I was in this group and there was about five of us who played bass and I became close friends with my friend Marco. And I noticed how Marco went by their last name because it was just easier at school and stuff because Marco didn't identify with feminine pronouns. And so it was easier for Marco wanted to change their name and but had issues with their mom and like with school and stuff. And so just decided I'm going to go by my last name because it just makes things easier. Marco's their last name. Yeah. And That's- so okay. that made it easier for them to explain to other people. But I still noticed how teachers didn't necessarily pick up on it. And especially, like, we're only at camp for a week. That's not a lot of time to get to know people. So I feel like that's an even, that's a different scenario where, like, you need to be even more, like, you get to, you get to know your students. So you could spend a whole month with them and then be like, okay, maybe I'm starting to get to know everybody. And they've expressed to me, like, if people have different pronouns and stuff like that, they've expressed that to me. So now I feel more comfortable talking to my students and stuff like that because I'm getting a better feel of the room. But we're only at camp for a week. You need to be, I think that's a scenario where you should be like more hyperactive about how you use your words. And stuff yeah, like and I think, I think the important thing to, and this, this will improve those sorts of things and make the comfort level a little higher is for us to be just more open about talking about things like gender and race and those sorts of things. Like if first conversation you have with someone being open and asking them what their pronouns are especially if you're in a situation like camp hey maybe have people do a little activity like get to know you sort of thing and have them say their name and then say their pronouns and then that way if if someone is non-binary or is transgender one of those things and they don't identify by he or she pronouns they can just openly say it if they feel comfortable and someone like me who does identify as she, her, will be saying it right next to them. So they won't feel really weird because everybody's doing it. So something like that, where it's just, it's a routine sort of get to know you activity. I can say, hi, my name is Cassie Reed. I go by she, her pronouns. I play the trumpet. Something like that will kind of alleviate that sort of awkward sort of conversation that people don't feel fully comfortable talking about yet. So making that more of normalcy in education would be something that would be really beneficial for both students and the teacher to understand, okay, this student goes by they, this student goes by she, this student goes by he, and to figure those things out right away. So then there's no disassociation happening. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I totally agree with that. I actually saw a tweet from somebody I know, and they said, who um, is trans, and said, please do if you yeah. are cisgender put your pronouns in your bio I appreciate that and so then like I started doing it and I'm like like it's no big deal that's what's in my Instagram bio because because other people do it and I it that's something that is important to start normalizing because I agree is what I'm saying and I I actually I threw the motions to do that myself so like to these kinds of experiences of what I'm seeing of race and gender throughout the world as a kid who wants to be a music teacher one day how Mm -hmm. I can look at that and like see what 
and look at everybody else's experiences and see, oh, well, how can I be the best teacher to impact students in the future? And how can I make them the most comfortable? And how can I be like a good role model to kids in the best way possible that like I think is true and stuff like that. So I definitely am getting that. I'm definitely getting that experience knowing so many old teachers, young teachers, every, I know every kind of music teacher of different races, of different gender identities, stuff like that. I've met so many people over the years and that's something that's so cool to me. And I think that is, and so I've gotten to observe and I've gotten to understand, okay, well, how can I be the best teacher when I'm a teacher? You know, and I'm picking up on those experiences from watching and observing other people. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that's a a very mature thought process that you have that you're learning from the people that are going ahead of you so you can make your students' lives a little bit easier. I think that's really important. And you had mentioned prior about going to Cleveland School of the Arts and going from being part of a majority in how you identify your race. So you said the school you came from was majority white and then going to a school where you were sometimes the only white kid in a class. How has that experience been for you? Because you talked about how it was a little bit of a culture shock for you, but can you get into more specifics about how was that different from you and how has that changed your education and how you see others that may be different from you? So first thing I noticed right away is that at my old school, I had gone through 10 years of school, or 11 if you want to count kindergarten, 11 years of school. I had one teacher out of all the teachers I've had that was not white. I've oh, had, I had none, K-12, no teachers that were not white. So that is one person, I, I can only think of like one person in the whole school district who wasn't white. And that was like, because immediately my first class of the day was chemistry. And my chemistry teacher is Indian and she's an immigrant. She's from India. But if she had taught at my old school where it was so, since the students and families were just like majority white and on top of that, the teachers being majority white as well, I feel like kids at my old school, based on their environment and how they grew up, would be racist and hateful behind a teacher who is a different race than them, like behind their back. Mm -hmm. And that is like, to think about that is just like crazy because I am not, I'm not like that. Like I don't, I would never like, even when I didn't know a lot of other black students or black teachers or POCs, even when I didn't know, I know other POCs, I wouldn't, I would, I never would have thought to be like mean or hateful in that way. Hateful to a teacher. Even if they don't know they're being racist, they're being racist as kids making fun of a teacher's accent or stuff like that. So I had, I also, I had black music teachers from the music settlement, but that was the, my, that was the first time I went to school and I had the teacher population at my, my school sort of in its own way reflects the student population of the fact that there is diversity not only in race and in gender, but there's diversity in experience. And I feel like even though I go to a school where it is majority Black students, there is still this sort of diversity, not just of race, but of personal identity, other things that make us so unique. And 
because I go to an art school, students like to embrace their uniqueness. And a lot of our teachers really, really encourage that. And mm -hmm. I've also gotten to see, so I've gotten to become very, very close with a teacher at my school who is Black and to get to learn from her as being a, and she's kind of a younger teacher, but she has been a really good role model for me in lots of aspects of my life. She's a part of this program we have at school. It's called the Planning Center. And it's basically, you know, if I'm having a rough day at school, I can ask my teacher, hey, I need to be by myself. I need to be in a quiet space. Can I go just take a, take a break? And I could take my assignment and go do my reading in, in her classroom and sort of relax. Um, she has lots of resources for helping kids stay focused and stuff like that. So I've gotten this like personal connection with her. And I feel like she's been really helpful to me in a lot of aspects of my life this year. And the fact I've gotten close with a lot of my teachers so quickly after not knowing them for so long is really, really cool. That I feel like the environment I've had of like diversity of like understanding other people's uniqueness regardless of race or regardless of gender mm -hmm. is so important how there's every kid that I go to school with at Cleveland School of the Arts is completely different than the next kid yeah like everybody has their own thing going on that makes them special and the best I consider the best teachers at my school are the ones that truly embrace that the most and I'm lucky that I've gotten to know them and be have them be like my role models and especially talking to it's very important I find now as being a white person in this country I'm able to amplify voices from people of color especially black Americans and black students and my black peers and my black teachers and my colleagues how that's important for me to help them amplify their voices because and I was I had this whole conversation because I was a part of this group through school the teacher I mentioned before who was in charge of the planning center she had like a committee of students and she asked me to be a part of it and every quarter we would go to this place downtown and we would have lunch and we'd get to talk to the superintendent of the school district so there was representatives from every high school in our in the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and that there's a lot of kids because there's a lot of schools because Cleveland is so big. And so it was really cool because every it, would hap it happens like once a quarter, and we would get to as a group talk about a specific subject each day. And the last one that I went to before school closed, we talked about police brutality. And we talked about the police and how the police can interact with students and how they can make kids feel safer, which was very interesting because of what's happening in our country right now. I sort of ignorantly said to my, my peers at our table, I said, because there was a lot of police there of all different races and genders, and they were just standing up there. And when I was a little confused, we were all really confused, like, what we were going to talk about that day because we, like, didn't know. And I said... Police officers kind of make me nervous. And my friend looked at me and she said, oh, really? My African-American friend who I had went to the, there with. And so looking back, that was kind of a, um, I guess, ignorant way to say it. And I was like, mm -hmm. and then I was like, oh, wait. And then that turned into, I have learned so much these past, like the past two months even. That's good about, thing. For sure. And I've definitely like, like this whole year, I have totally 
because I wasn't really around other, I wasn't around Black people or teachers or students that often. And so I didn't get to see their experiences or understand or learn about them. My, my English teacher this past school year, every book we read, every play we talked about was written by a Black author, was written by a Black poet. And that's, I don't remember reading any stories written by black authors nope no not a single one I can't I can't think of one and so that in itself is so powerful so I've definitely like gotten to understand my place in the world and how um it's like sparked something in me to want to advocate for people who can't advocate for themselves and to want to help my peers and stuff like that. And that's like so important. As you know, and I, I definitely can, I mean, you haven't talked about this, but I can definitely tell based on knowing like your experience in, uh, with teaching and stuff like that. I, I, I feel like we have a similar ideology in that regard. Yeah, I would agree. My final question for you is, this is going to be a, a deep thought sort of question, is if a girl, little girl, let's say like 10 years old, if you could tell her something about being a female bass player and being in jazz, and if you could give her a piece of advice, if she was just starting out, so she wouldn't become discouraged by not seeing people who are like her, you could give her one piece of advice that has kept you going or or one resource that you found that has helped you stay motivated and find people that look like you, what would you tell her? Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) Um, Wow. I find that, I will say first, I find that I feel like, because I don't see this in a lot of my peers that are girls, I don't see this a lot, where they have the sort of drive or excitement or outgoingness quality in them that I might have. I think that has to do with the fact that I have, my mom is a very strong influence for me and she's a very strong woman. And I've seen that since I was really little. And I think that based on her experience, I've learned from that on how to be my own strong woman and how to live my life in that way. And I think a lot of women might be scared of not wanting to put themselves out there and so I feel like that's very important for kids to understand like young girls to understand because they might not have a strong female role model yeah so it's it's partially looking for for a mentor and finding someone who you look up to to be your musical outlet in that way right and number one for me has been my mom but then again uh women strong women in higher positions are hard to find but when I was in middle school and the reason that way that me and you met was so important to me was because of our director Laura Joss and she really she was the second strong female person in my life who didn't make me doubt in a second that I could do exactly what she did one day she is the epitome of strong, independent woman. Yes, love her. Oh, for sure. We had this thing at my school. We call it the hero breakfast. And you're supposed to invite somebody 
to the school that is a hero to you. And me and Joss had talked on and off since um, I was in rehearsals with her every week for the past like couple years. And I reached out to her and I was like, I want you to be my hero. And I want you to, yeah. And I wanted to honor that. And then she came and we had a really nice day and she's actually close friends with my orchestra teacher. So the three of us got to talk and it was really great. And she told me, she was like, you're about to start looking at colleges and I really want to help you. And so I, I do consider her to be like my mentor because she outside of family has been the, the strongest, like, female figure I can look up to and that's really important for young kids to have and even if it's not somebody you personally know because when I was younger Esperanza Spalding is an amazing jazz singer bassist my my dad was like I bought tickets to see this this bass player let's go and me and my mom and my dad went a few years ago and we watched her and she was just so so cool she commanded that stage and i thought she was so cool i was like i want to be like her and that's somebody that i don't know i don't know her but i was so intrigued and so inspired by her that i found that that was like a really cool thing that made me want to be better at both upright and electric bass and so that for girls who like don't have a strong female role model in their life that they're that's like someone they personally know looking up to trying to find these strong women in media or in music or in whatever in whatever capacity they're looking up to. I know many girls look up to like gymnasts or like sports. Well, I don't know much about sports, but <laughs> you look up to like that and can kind of be like a little bit of a guide for you. And I was going to say something else about that. Oh, and like staying true to yourself and not and doing what you want to do because you want to do it. Yeah. If you're not hurting anybody and you're not hurting yourself and you're doing what you love with kindness and compassion and originality and uniqueness, then who cares? Who cares what somebody else has to say? I and another reason why I left my old school is the fact that I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere there. Mm. I didn't have like a little niche that was like my people or anything like that, even in band, where I was so dedicated to being in music and I cared so much about it. And I didn't even think I belonged there, especially yeah. in marketing band. I felt like I was the outsider. I felt like nobody liked my opinion, anything like that. I sort of like, I wear, for people that don't know, obviously, I wear heart shaped glasses. You can't see them, but that's a very freaking awesome. It's a very strong thing that people notice about me immediately. And that just, that, if that doesn't tell you that I'm like different, then I like go against the grain, then um, I don't know what will. But I also have like a unique fashion taste. I've always liked, always had like interest, like my special interests have always been like, not what everybody else is interested in, obviously. I love jazz. I, I know enough now, but especially when I started getting into it, I didn't really know a lot of girls who like jazz that were my age, you know, around my yeah. age. So that, I always liked things that were different, and that sort of shaped my personality. But as I'm not hurting anybody by wearing my heart-shaped glasses or liking jazz music or stuff like that and I'm actually 
wanting to use certain interests and certain things that I love to produce good things, especially in my future. I always feel like there's not a lot I can do as a high school student when it comes to like producing good things out into the world because I I have so many so many thoughts and opinions and I I want to help people and stuff like that. And I don't know how what the best way is to do that. Well, you're doing time. it right now, girlfriend. <laughs> I guess so. Young girls need to understand is that you are special and that's cool. And someone's going to appreciate it if uh, even if they don't appreciate it right now. So I have the best friends. It took me a long time, but now I have really good friends. You got to do what you got to do and what's best for you. And I don't always take the, take my advice. Well, and that's another thing. Like it's, it's all a process. So like today I'm having a really good day, but maybe tomorrow I won't. And that's okay. And it's hard. And cause like, I don't agree with, like, especially because I'm living through it. You know how, like, in the movies or whatever, they say that high school is, like, the best time. I disagree. So, um... I didn't have the best time in high school either, but those people that say that high school is the best time of their lives peaked in high school, so... Right. Fair enough. And so, I know that when I leave high school and I go on to be a professional, and it'll make more sense for me, and it'll... Yeah. There's good thing. There's always like going to be good things to come. So you had a lot of wonderful things to say. And I think a lot of the people that I've had on the show so far are either, you know, currently college or they're out of college and they're starting their careers or they've been in their careers for a while. And I think it's really good to get a perspective from someone who is in school right now, who hasn't graduated yet, but is old enough to have opinions and stories and perspectives on these issues that we talk about we're we're recognizing all these things that i've done that i forgot i did or that (laughs) are so vital to who i am and stuff like that which is very it's just that's really cool for to talk about self-reflection yeah for sure well i want to thank you for being on and for talking with us today and sharing your thoughts and you're very brave for coming on here and talking to the world. So I want to thank you for being on. Of course. Thank you so much. I really like it. It means a lot to me because I, I respect you as a, as a uh, female in the music education world. And that's really, it's really important to talk about these kinds of things. So when you told me that you were starting this podcast, I was like, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. you know that that is going to impact people because everybody has a story to tell and everybody's story is valid and if you enjoyed this episode of her story please make sure you are liking and sharing the soundcloud episode please also make sure you're visiting our website the links to the website can be found on our instagram account which is at music her story pod please also make sure you follow our twitter account And if you would like to be a guest on the show, if you have any questions or comments, please make sure you email us at musicherstorypod at gmail.com. Thanks.